God, we thank you that, uh, that you do not fail. You have a perfect track record. Uh, you are steadfast. Uh, you are true. Uh, Lord, you have been so kind to your kids that this morning we give you thanks. Uh, Lord, thank you that we have the opportunity to gather as your people, uh, to hear your word. Thank you for the promise that we find in your word that when it goes out, it doesn't return void. And so I pray this morning, uh, toward that end, I pray that your word uh, from you would land well on the hearts of your people. Would you form and shape us into the people that you have called us to be? And would you do it for your honor and for your glory? Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much that you have loved us first. Uh, We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Church family, you may have a seat. Welcome. How's everyone doing this morning? Oh, Chris, toss me that basketball. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to need that. Not right now, later. Uh, We are going to take a break from our series in the book of James this morning. Uh, Today is volunteer uh, Sunday at Christ Point. We have a volunteer fair at the end of the service. You have an opportunity to hear and to see uh, the good work that God is doing here at CP. Uh, We exist as a church to point people to Jesus. That is our heartbeat. Uh, That is why we come and gather. We believe that life is found in Christ. And so we want people to see and experience Him. One of the ways that we do that is by establishing a culture of joyful service. We really believe as the people of God that service flows out of a heart of gratitude, a life that has been changed by the living Christ. And out of gratitude, uh, we serve the Lord and one another. Scripture teaches us that we are God's workmanship. It means that we are His masterpiece. And God has created us He has created you uh, for good works. And so here at Christ Point, uh, we want to establish a culture in which believers are encouraged uh, to explore and to find their God-given gifts and to serve in those ways ultimately uh, for God's glory. It should be pointed out that every ministry here at Christ Point is absolutely necessary. It is indispensable and us accomplishing the mission that God has called us to. And so because of that, because a service is worship, because God has gifted us, because it is of the utmost importance here at Christ Point, we want to encourage people to serve based on biblical principles. We have a structure and process in place, not because we want to make it difficult for people, but because we believe service is such a big deal. And so this morning, I'm going to show you my cards on the front end, and I just want to let you know that uh, today I want to call you uh, to use the unique gift uh, that God has given to you uh, to serve the church body with the strength that God supplies in such a way that God is glorified. Uh, I didn't make that up. It's actually found in 1 Peter chapter 4, and so if you have your Bibles, turn with me there, First Peter chapter 4. I want to look at verses 7 through 11 this morning. If you don't have a copy of the Scripture, you can follow along on the screen. You can pull out your version app, go to Events, find Christ Point Church, and you'll be able to follow along uh, the outline as well this morning. First Peter chapter 4, Peter writes to a scattered and persecuted church and says to them, Uh, This, the end of all things is at hand. 
Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Uh, To Him belong glory and dominion uh, forever and ever. Amen. Peter begins this section of Scripture with a bit of sobering news. Uh, He reminds the church uh, that, that the church, that you, that me, that we are on borrowed time. He says the end of all things is at hand. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. I don't know if you've ever considered your life and your days and been reminded that you're not going to live forever, uh, that you are finite, uh, but it seems like the more I live life, the more reminders there are uh, that I'm not going to be here uh, forever. Oftentimes early on Sunday morning, I'll walk into the barn and uh, over there to my right, maybe to your left, there is a, there's a basketball hoop in the sanctuary. Why wouldn't there be? And occasionally I will see a kid or maybe a grown-up uh, walk by the basketball hoop and they'll, they'll pick up a ball, one of these, and, uh, and they'll take a shot, right? They take a shot and oftentimes maybe no one's around. Uh, there's, there's no countdown clock. They just want to see if they can make it. And every once in a while, someone makes the shot. And the reason that I know that they make the shot is not necessarily because I see the ball go in, but I just look at their face. Right? And all over their face, they're communicating to the world, that's right, I still got it. Right? I, I know that they made the basket. Occasionally, they'll stick out their wrists like that and just slowly walk away like they're a professional basketball player, even though I know that they're not. They're not even close. But every once in a while, the scenario is a little different. It's not some, a little boy or little girl or some man or woman who walks by to take a shot. It is two people facing off against one another. They're standing shoulder to shoulder. Right? The, the, the balls are there in the basket and the clock uh, begins to count down. Right, someone takes a shot and it goes from 30 to 29 to 28. And as fast as they can, they're throwing shots up in the air because they want to score every basket they can possibly score until that clock strikes zero. I've never seen anyone in the middle of, of, of that, shooting those hoops walk away and say, you know what, I need a, I need a bathroom break. Excuse me for a moment. I've never seen anyone do like a pump fake or, or pretend to pass because they know they're on the clock and time is ticking. If there is a metaphor for the Christian life in Scripture, it is a whole lot closer to the second scenario than the first. You're on the clock. And so am I. My time on this planet is short. We, we do not have 
forever. And so Peter writes to the church and essentially says, make it count. Make it count. Make your days here on this planet count. Theologian Tom Shiner briefly describes in his commentary on 1 Peter what exactly this looks like or what Peter is referring to. Listen to his words. He writes, we have a typical feature of New Testament eschatology here. Eschatology is just a study of end times or last things. He writes, nowhere does the New Testament encourage the setting of dates or any other kinds of charts. I don't know if you grew up in a church tradition that loves dates and charts. He's arguing here that it's not so simple. Eschatology, he writes, is invariably used to encourage believers uh, to live in a godly way. And that's the, the purpose, that's the thrust of Peter's words here. Live in a godly way. He goes on, nor does the New Testament ever invite believers to, draw from the, to withdraw from the world because the end is near and to gaze at the skies hoping that the Lord will return soon. The eminence of the end should focus as a stimulus to action in this world. The knowledge that believers are sojourners and exiles whose life is short should galvanize them to make their lives count. When my boys were very young, particularly Cademan, and we lived in Michigan at the time, I would leave for the office in the morning, and Cademan, even as a little guy, would have his face planted in the big picture window out front, and he would wave to me as I left for work. And I often thought to myself as I left, what a shame it would be if he kept looking out the window just waiting for me to come home without ever enjoying the day before him. Christians, followers of Jesus, as we wait for the return of Christ, as we come to grips with the truth that the end is near, that we don't have forever, we are not called to simply look out the window and wait. God and His Word calls us to action. We're sojourners, we're exiles in this world. Our time is short, and so we are called to make our time count. Um, That does not mean that we are called to live frazzled lives, but focused lives. We're not not to be running around living weary lives or stressed out lives. But God's Word uh, calls us to live lives of purpose and consequence. Uh, We are called to live for God's glory. We are called to live uh, for our neighbor's good. This is why the psalmist wrote, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The clock is ticking. Our response to that truth comes in the following verses. This morning I want us to focus on verses 10 through 11. And I just want to make quick, or five quick observations. Look at verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, Peter writes and says, As each has received a gift, uh, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is the one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Five observations. Number one, you, Christian, you follower of Jesus, you've received a gift. 
you have received a gift. You know uh, that if you are a follower of Christ, you have been gifted by God. You've been gifted. There are no exceptions. There are no exceptions. You have been uh, gifted by God. I, I don't know if we, if the people of God, fully grasp that. I think we spend a whole lot of time looking at other people's gifts or comparing our gifts or wishing we had a different gift instead of sitting in and realizing and recognizing that God has given a gift to us. Uh, Sometimes I think we function like a little kid at a birthday party. Remember what it was like when you went to that first birthday party for your buddy or your friend and you went over to his or her house and all of your buddies came and you watched as everyone presented or gave a present to your friend. And there was part of you that probably thought, hey, this is kind of cool that my friend gets to celebrate. This is pretty cool that he or she gets all of these presents. And if you were anything like me, you probably had a passing thought that went a little something like this. Bummer, dude. I wish I had all those presents. (laughs) You're you're sitting there, you want to rejoice, and you do, but there's part of you that thinks, but it would be nice if some of that came my way. I think sometimes we think of gifts from the Lord in much the same way. We look at everyone else and we go, oh, it's cool that they've been gifted, but it sure would be nice if I would be, or we have the kind of mentality that I had when I was a little kid and it was my brother's birthday. Uh, My grandmother was famous uh, for giving whoever's birthday it was a present, a nice present, Uh, and and then the other brother would get something small, like just a little something. And it was my grandmother's way of saying, hey, I love you too. Like I haven't forgotten about you. Sometimes we think God functions like that with us. Like everyone else got the big present. And and he'll just give us a little something to let us know that he's thought of us too. But that's not biblical. No, God God has gifted you. He's gifted you. Right? So you have received a gift. That's what verse 10 says, as each has received a gift. So if you're taking notes this morning, write down, I have been given a gift. I've been given a gift. Put it in your phone. If you've got a pen and paper, which I know no one does, write it down. I've been given a gift. You've been given a gift. Peter continues and encourages the church to use your gift to serve others. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Your gift given to you by God is not primarily for you. It's not. It's not just your deal. Like you, you don't get to take your gift and head to the corner and look at it and enjoy it, dream about it, think about it, and go, look at, look at the gift that I've been given. That's not why God gave it to you. God gave you the gift so that you, you would serve the church, so that you would serve others. That's what Peter says, as each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another. Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, writes this, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts 
in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, Paul in Romans chapter 12 and Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4, I don't believe they're giving exhaustive lists of the spiritual gifts. Uh, Peter in particular is giving this overarching big idea. Paul is a little more descriptive here in, in, in Romans chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians. I think the point that he's trying to make, that Paul is trying to make, is that you have been gifted by God with a gift, so use it to serve one another. In your service, like if God's gifted you to serve, then, then serve. Like if, if God's gifted you with the ability to, to teach, to exhort, then teach and exhort. If God has given you the gift of generosity, then be lavishly generous toward the, the people of God. In your leading, lead with zeal. You've been given a gift. There are no exceptions. But your gift is not primarily for you. It's not. Your, your gift is to be used by you uh, to serve the body of Christ. And so my question uh, for you this morning is, are you using the gift from God for the people of God? Are you using your gift from God for the people of God? The third observation, manage your unique gift well. Manage or steward your unique gift well. If each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right? As good stewards of God's varied grace. A steward was someone who was put in charge to, to run a home. Um, another word for it that might be more common in our day and age is simply manager. Like you've been given a gift by God. Your gift is unique and different. Use it to, to manage uh, where God has placed you. In other words, don't shelf your gift or put your gift aside. Like make good use of it. Manage your gift well. Your gift is going uh, to be unique and it's going to be different, uh, but it's just as important to the body of Christ. Fifteen years ago, I sat in an office on Dorado Road and I was having a conversation with Brian Goins. He was our, our founding pastor. And he asked me one day, he said, he said, James, what do you love doing? What are you passionate about doing? And w without skipping a beat, I said, Brian, I love doing so many of the things that you do only I feel that you do them better. And he said, James, not better, just different. I can't tell you how life-giving that was for me to hear that in that moment. God's gifted us all uniquely according to his varied grace, which means your gift is different than the person sitting next to you, but it's just as important. It's just as important. Uh, when we were in Honduras, we were tasked with painting the second life center, the second Honduran life center. And there were a number of roles and responsibilities uh, that needed to be doled out in order for us to accomplish the task. Uh, we, we needed paint. If you've ever painted a room before, uh, you know you need to go shopping. You need paint and you need supplies. Uh, we needed someone who would help 
prep and prepare the rooms that we were going to paint. We couldn't just go in there and start slopping paint up on the wall. We had to get the room ready. Someone had to do the trim. And, and the trim, I feel, whoever does the trim, bless you. Bless you. God loves you more. You and I both know it. You have a steady hand. right? It, it takes you 10 days to do the trim up top and on below. Some person comes with a roller and does 99% of the work in 17 minutes. You're still in the corner working with the trim. But, but listen, like different roles and responsibilities, but all of them are, are pretty important. But it doesn't always feel that way, does it? I mean, sometimes it feels like someone else's role is better than your role. Sometimes you feel like you maybe got the short end of the stick. This happened when we were in Honduras. Melvin, who runs the Life Center and the ministry there in Honduras, asked one of our team to get into his air-conditioned truck to go to the store and get the paint and I'm sure to stop and get an Americano on the way back. So just get the picture. Team from Christ Point, you would have been so proud of them. They're working hard with their own two hands. They're mixing cement outside. There's people throwing spackle up on the wall. There's people cutting countertops for the kitchen. In other words, people are working hard. And so when this individual, who will remain nameless, was invited to step into the air-conditioned truck to pick up supplies. It didn't go so well with everyone. At least it didn't go well with me. You may be familiar with a phrase that is often attributed to elite U.S. Army Rangers who have this language as part of their creed. I will never leave a fallen comrade to fall into the hands of the enemy. Or simply put, Leave no man behind. I will not tell you who turned their backs on this motto, but I will tell you that Billy has never been an army ranger. When Melvin asked him to get into the truck, I assure you he did not pray about it. He simply got in the air-conditioned truck. By the time I looked up, I saw dust up in the air as they were pulling away and a smirk on Billy's face. He still has it on his face this morning. We had a little talk when he got back. It went something like, oh, it must be nice. I said that to him. And he agreed. He said, listen, man, when the guy in charge asks you to go, you go. And he went. Now listen. Even as I tell this story, I can tell it in such a way that Billy's job was an easy job. But he, he got to go in the air-conditioned truck. But listen, the reality is that someone needed to get the paint. We needed supplies. And that room would not have been painted if we didn't have supplies. So someone needed to prep the room. Someone needed to do the trim. Someone needed to grab the roller. Each roll was, was different. It was unique, but there wasn't one that was unimportant. The the Christian life is not this ladder of important gifts and insignificant gifts. There's not a couple things that we do that really matter and then a bunch of stuff that we can do without. 
It's not single A and double A and triple A in the major leagues. Church isn't designed that way. Every gift matters. Every gift is absolutely necessary, but every gift is different. You've been gifted according to God's varied grace. So your gift might not be the same gift as the person sitting next to you, and that's okay. It's okay. So ask yourself this morning, how has God uniquely gifted me? How has God uniquely gifted me, and am I stewarding, am I managing God's gift well? A fourth observation, use your gift with the strength that God supplies. Look at verse 11. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Here are the gifts. Uh, Peter divides them into two categories. You could say that he sees the gifts in terms of speaking gifts and serving gifts. He's looking at these gifts functionally. He's not providing an exhaustive list. Uh, He he simply wants to paint a picture for people uh, and let them know, hey, there are times when God's going to call some people to use speaking gifts. They're going to speak uh, as one who speaks oracles of God or, or as if God were speaking. This isn't someone's personal opinion. It's the idea that, that God is behind what is being said. It's not, I think. It's God, God says. There are speaking gifts and there are, are service gifts. Gifts like giving or leading or mercy or, or help. And and regardless of whether or not it is a speaking gift or a serving gift, we use the gifts with the strength that God supplies. Now I've got to be honest with you. There's times where I read stuff in Scripture and I go, okay, what like what does that really mean? Like what does that mean? Because you've I mean you've served before we've served before in some capacity. There's things that we've done. What's the difference between someone who is just doing it? out of their own strength, and someone who is serving, using the strength that God supplies. What does that mean? What does that look like? This was helpful for me in my study. Author John Bloom writes, the biblical pattern of God strengthening His saints is this. God chooses a sinful, weak person to be His redeemed saint. God further weakens this saint through circumstantial and or physical adversity, the saint is forced to trust God's promises. God proves himself faithful to his promises. We sang that this morning. The saint's faith is strengthened and hope abounds because his or her faith doesn't rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Paul framed it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 12. So to keep me from being conceited, this is Paul, because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, Paul writes, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is unusual. That's unusual. We don't want to function that way. Or maybe I won't throw you under the bus. I don't want to function that way. Like, I, I want to I find my niche. I want to see the gift. And then I, I want, like, the world to get out of my way so I can use it. Other people can see and be blessed by it. I want the trajectory of my life uh, to move and to flow in, in a certain way where things just kind of fall in place. People look around and go, oh, he's so gifted or she's so talented. Just look, just look at them serve. And they're serving in their strengths and they just continue to grow in strength. And listen, oftentimes, oftentimes that's not how it works. Oftentimes God gifts us and then He brings us low. God, God gifts us and then He humbles us. God, God gifts us and reminds us that we're not nearly as strong as we think we are. We are incredibly weak. And in that weakness, God shows up to strengthen His people. John Bloom writes, God changed Paul's understanding, which strengthened his faith, faith which fueled his hope. God changed Paul's understanding, which strengthened his faith, which fueled his hope. Christ point, if you are here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, you have been gifted by God. Use your gifts uh, to serve others. Steward your unique gift well. Use your gift with the strength that God supplies. Maybe this morning, practically, that looks like you praying, like, God, give, give me strength. Give me strength. God, I feel so weak. Would you give me strength? Fifth observation, your gift is given by God uh, for God's glory. Your gift is given by God for God's glory. Peter writes, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And listen to this. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is, this is the big reason why we serve. This is what we long uh, to, to see other people experience, which is, namely, God's glory. Right? We want to use the gifts given to us so that God would be seen as great. And admittedly, that's not always how it's set up. I think culturally we, we love talent. Like we're impressed by talent. And so we see talented people doing great things and we go, they're, they're so talented. I mean, just look at them. Look at them do their thing. The Bible says that we use our gifts so that God might be glorified. I want you to imagine for a moment uh, that you are working for a company 
and you've been given a company credit card, which is kind of a cool deal. There's some parameters around it, but one of the things that you're called to do is to take out clients uh, to eat at nice restaurants. And so that's what you do. You take them out and uh, you, you sell and you grow and establish a relationship and at the end of the meal the bill comes and you kind of look at each other and you go, I got it. And you pull out your company card, give the server the card, he or she goes away and comes back and gives you a little receipt. You can fill out your, your tip. You tip generously because you love Jesus and that's what Jesus followers do. Jesus followers do. And, and your client looks at you and says to you, you know what, i got to tell you, I think you're the most generous person that I've ever met in my life. Thank you. How crazy would it be if your reply was, <laughs> I can't say that I disagree. I am awfully generous, aren't I? You're welcome. Like, it's, it's not your car. It's not your car. Like, the, the resources, they didn't come from you. You've, you've been given a gift. You've been given a gift. And, and God gave it to you. And God supplies the strength for you to use it and to serve the people of God in such a way that He is glorified. It's, it's one of the reasons when, why we come alongside people who we see serving at Christ's point and say to them, I give thanks to God for you. Because the gift is God-given. The gift is supplied with God-like strength. So God gets the glory. God gets the glory. I want us to think together as we close our time about what this could look like practically. This is, this is one example. There are a hundred different examples. This is one. When I was a little kid, I attended a, a church in Redford, Michigan. Redford, Michigan is right outside Detroit. And my parents took my brother and I there. I remember I was in elementary school at the time. And we showed up to church one day and we sang a couple songs. And then we went back in the Sunday school room. Like if you grew up in church and you think Sunday school room, whatever comes to mind, more than likely that's what I was sitting in. Which means cinder block walls, like white paint, Noah's Ark was not on the wall. There were no cool Bible stories, no smoke, no flashing. I mean, it, it was basic. It was basic. And my teacher on this particular day, I still remember this to this day. Right? We, we, were, we were going through the Bible lesson. I think there were probably six or maybe eight of us around this rectangular table in this white cinder block room. And I'm just asking questions. I was... I mean, I was probably eight, nine years old, maybe, maybe. And I'm, you know, I was the annoying kid that was like, what about, tell me more about, hold on a second. Like, 
And I remember the teacher stopped and she said uh, to me, uh, James, don't ever stop asking questions about the Bible. Don't ever stop asking questions about the Bible. I don't remember what the lesson was that, that morning. I really don't. I don't remember even what we were talking about. But I remember her words. Because God used her words in my life to kind of plant a seed in my heart. And over the last 35, 36, 37 years since she spoke those words, I have gone back to them again and again and again. Now, why do I share that story? I share that story for this reason. Last week we had 28 kindergarten through fifth graders. 28 kindergarten through fifth graders over in the chapel. And when I, when I think about those 28 boys and girls, I think to myself each and every week, each and every week when, when Jody or Becky or Jen is pouring into their hearts and lives, I firmly believe that God is going to use the words they speak on a random Sunday, something that, that maybe they just say off the cuff where they come alongside a little boy or a little girl and they speak truth into his or her heart. And God will use that to change them forever. Like for all of eternity. So I don't know about you, but I hear about opportunities like that. And I'm like, God, I want my life to count. Like I want my life to like, count me in. Like count me in. Like I can hang with a toddler. I can hold a baby. I can give my life away to a 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 year old. I mean, what, is, what an incredible difference we have the opportunity to make in the heart and life of our children. I'm praying, I haven't advertised this, I mean, I've told some, I'm, I'm praying this morning for, for, we have a volunteer fair in 10 minutes, and I'm praying that God may raise up four godly men or women who are just interested in finding out more. We don't, listen, you, if you want to serve here at Christ, but we have a process that we send people through. We're not checking for pulses and throwing people into positions. We do not do that. We will not do that. But I'm, I'm praying that God would stir the hearts of four godly men, godly women, who will say, hey, can you, can you tell me more what this might look like? Because I believe that God's inviting us, inviting us uh, to, to do a good work in the world. Uh, the end is near. And make your life count. God's given you a gift. God's given you a gift. Use it uh, to serve uh, one another. Your gift is unique. It is unique to you. It's the very grace of God. Use your gift with the strength that God supplies for God's glory. I pray that he would do that in and through you today. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for inviting your people to be a part of what you're doing around the world for your name's sake. I mean, there's no greater thing on the planet. I mean, to have the king of the universe, of the God who knows us and made us and loves us, to invite us, to invite us, your kids, your sons and daughters, to say, hey, come here, let me show you what I'm doing, and to allow us the great privilege of being a part of what you're doing for your name's sake. God, I pray this morning that you would stir the hearts of the men and women here this morning, that you would use the gifts that you've given to them uh, to serve this church body in such a way uh, that you would be honored and glorified. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.